Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We start a brand new series today called When People Meet Jesus. You know, we have five Sundays here in the month of May and, uh, of course, with Mother's Day next weekend, but we're going to look at five different encounters where folks and their lives are radically altered and changed because of their encounter with Christ. And I uh, just want to say, if you are new with us today in any capacity, thank you so much for being with us. Such an honor to worship with you. If you didn't receive a message card upon your entrance, you can raise your hand right quick and one of our ushers there in the back would be glad to serve you. I also want to make you aware you do want to get the card because this is the last week you will get the card in print. Yep, that's one of the things that we're doing as we're seeking to save money and to steward well to move into a new building. But every single outlet possible is available for you on your smartphone right now. So if you follow us on Facebook, it was posted within the last two minutes, the card front and back. If you go to our website, we're now going ahead of time and putting the card before the weekend. So if you go to sermons, you can already look at the sermon title and you can look at the sermon card the week leading up to that Sunday. So if you had the capacity or desire to be able to print it out and keep your little information on the back and then also be able to look at your message on the front and we will remind you in the days to come. You say, Craig, well, I don't want the card. Well, if you like text format, you can go to Uversion. So on your smartphone, you go to Uversion, click the top left and hit events. And if your location notification or services is on, Dwelling Place will be the first one that will pop up. But we will go above and beyond to try to communicate ways for you to access this in the weeks to come. We are so excited about what God is doing in this season. If you have a Bible, go with me to John chapter 13. I would invite you to turn with me there. John chapter 13. I want to say to, to Tony and our team how grateful I am for all their hard work for the marriage black tie affair last night. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, yeah, praise God for that. It was a great time. Very enjoyable. And I'm grateful for my parents. My parents don't get to worship with us much. They're here today. And we're our fabulous babysitters last night. But uh, John chapter 13 is where we're going to look. We're going to begin reading the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 13 beginning in verse 36. Verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, him who? Jesus. This is a meeting. Now you're already thinking, whoa, John 13, that's not when Peter first met Jesus. You're right. It's not when he first met him. But I'm going to look at two of the meetings that I think are most unique in Peter's exchange with this Lord. This is the first one. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? Let me set the scene for you. This is the Last Supper. This is perhaps the most famous dinner in human history. Judas, who would betray our Lord, has already left the supper. He's already left. He's already prepared himself for betrayal and to betray Jesus or the Son of God with a kiss much later that night. Jesus is now taking the opportunity at the Last Supper to communicate to his disciples, his twelve. I'm going to die. I must suffer at the hands of chief priests and the elders of Israel, right? I'm going to have to die, but, but take, you know, let not your heart be troubled because on the third day I'm going to rise again. Jesus goes on and he says to Peter, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. 
And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Why can I not follow you now, Lord? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Will you? Will you? Peter, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, or truly, truly, I say to you, pause real quick. In the original text, which is Greek, we do not believe that Peter said the same word, Jesus said the same word twice. But because of the emphatic nature of the word and the transliteration, when we get to the English, there's no way for you to get the emphatic nature of what Jesus is saying unless the English uses the same word two times. So he says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Jesus is about to bottom line this thing for Peter. And he's saying, you need to listen and you you need to tune in and you need to lean in a little bit. I'm going to tell you the truth. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows tomorrow morning. Now, when he tells them that, it kind, of, it kind of shuts Peter up. We don't hear from Peter again until John 18. Silent, five chapters. Peter kind of takes that to heart. Lord, I, I don't know why I can't go with you now. I'm ready to lay down my life for you now. Jesus says, oh, Peter, are you really? Will you? No, in fact, you're going to deny me three times, and one time is going to be next to a young slave girl at a bonfire here in just a few hours. And Peter, Peter acts a bit sheepish. He's, quite honestly, he's rebuked, isn't he? He's rebuked. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the eternal word that's living and active, just as living and active as Jesus was when he walked this earth, and you would divide between soul and spirit, join and mare, judge the thoughts and intentions of all of our hearts. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. I pray that it would be seen so clearly today, for we know if we see you, Jesus, we will never be the same. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody sit. Today I want to preach to you a message that I'm entitling the same word that is not the same word. The same word that is not the same word. I don't know about you. Are you, you all like my wife? Do you all shop on Amazon? Do you shop on Amazon Prime? Do you, as a wife, send your packages to a next-door neighbor's front doorstep in order to keep it from your husband of how often the Amazon Prime boxes arrive at your front doorstep? My wife, people in our day and culture, they, there's people I meet, they, they literally don't shop for anything unless it's Amazon Prime, right? It's not even an option. Oh, wow, it's not Prime, not for sale. <laughs> Too bad, Amazon. No, no, it is actually for sale, but it won't be here tonight. You know what I'm saying? Amazon now, because of the distribution centers, when you live in metropolitan areas, you get it the same day, right? You can set it up for two hours, or I want it three hours from now, or I want it four hours from now. We are in America, we are addicted to the now. We are addicted to immediacy. We are addicted to the urgency. We are, no doubt, as has been said for the last few years, we are the microwave generation. I'd like to say to a new generation, we are the Amazon Prime generation. We want it, but we just don't want it anytime. We want it now. We like things now, and oftentimes we will forfeit that which is much better just for the right now. 
It it may be an 11-minute drive from our house to get something that would be a game-changer for our experience, but we would rather like something now. And so in the desire for now, we actually forfeit what could be better. We are addicted to the now. Now, we can all sit here today on a good Sunday morning and say, you know what, oh yeah, Pastor Craig, it's so true. You know, like we're so bad, we're so awful, we are so immediate. And we can all feel bad about ourselves and our addiction to the urgency for about 15 minutes. And then what will happen? We'll all go back to our regularly scheduled programs, right? Let's be honest. Does anyone want to go home today because of this message and say, you know what? I am not considering any Amazon Prime items for the next year. You know what? Just in an effort for patience, I'm not, no, no, if it's there, that's stupid. Just take it, right? We're we're just going to continue in this path. So what then, as the people of God, would be our recourse? What would be our response to the fact that we now understand we are addicted to the now. Let me ask you a question. Are we maximizing our human experience by living in this desire for the immediate and for the now? I don't know about you all, but I like Peter. I like Peter. I really do like Peter. I can relate to him in many ways, and today is certainly one of those days. Peter is a now kind of guy. I can prove it to you. You ready for me to prove it to you? In our passage today, something very interesting happens. Incredibly interesting. Now, if you never really paid attention or looked at this in the original language, this is going to kind of escape your perception. But let's highlight it for a moment. This thing that is about to happen happens only one other time in all of Scripture. We're going to land there in a minute, John 21, but right now we're looking in John 13. John chapter 13. Peter says, now, and Jesus says, now, but they are two different nows. Jesus says to Peter, go back to the verse, verse 36. He says, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. Peter responds, why can I not follow you now? They could not be any more different nows. They sound the same, you think they're the same, I think they're the same. When we look at the text from an English standpoint, they look the same. But when you look up these ancient Greek words, John the Beloved, the beloved disciple of Jesus who transcribes, who writes down John 13, John 21, he chose two different Greek words. He inserted two different Greek words. Jesus used the word now, agon. This word now means a period of time or a season. So in other words, you're at a party with your boyfriend, you're at a party with your girlfriend, you're at a party with your spouse, and they start arguing with you in front of everyone else at the party. And they want to pick and fight in front of everybody else. And you say to them, not now. Not now. Not now. It means not at the party. That doesn't mean five minutes later at the same party, come back up to you in the kitchen and start arguing with you again about the same thing. That means not now, means not in this season, not at this party, maybe not even tonight. We're going to table this thing until tomorrow morning. Jesus says to Peter, you can't come with me now. You can't come with me in this season. He doesn't mean seconds. He means a season. Peter responds with, why can't I come with you right this very second, Jesus? Why can't I come with you in you in? None. Now in this very second. Peter goes, look, look, Jesus, I'm strong. I mean, look at me. I'm handsome. I'm capable. I'm ready. Conditions are perfect. Why can't I come with you right 
now. Jesus says, you can't come now. Peter says, why not now? And their nows are on completely different pages. Jesus says, you can't come with me in this season. Peter says, why can't I come with you this second? Craig, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say to you and to me that Peter is prone to the exactly same thing that you and I are prone to, to live by seconds when God calls us to live by seasons. See, Peter in this moment is like you and I. He is exactly like you and I. Now, this today message, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to go ahead and just give you a disclaimer. It's going to be really, really helpful for you if you're going through a troubling time right now. It's going to be really, really helpful for you if you're going through a challenge right now. Because if you're going through troubling times, and just a moment later on in this passage, Jesus will look at the disciples after he said this, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Can I tell you, church, let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. One of the ways you cannot get shook, one of the ways that you can stay stable in this world, one of the ways that you cannot get troubled and shaken to the core is not living by seconds, but choosing to live your life through seasons. I'm going to try to explain this to you. I want you to follow me for a moment. God works through seasons. Seasons. How do you know? How how can you be so sure, Pastor Craig? Look at the universe. Look at the universe. Look at the sun. Up, down. Up, down. Look at the moon. Up, down. Look at the leaves. One color, next color. On, off. Look at the colors. Look at the tide. Tides in, tides out. Tides in, tides out. Watch the waves. Left, right. Listen to hip-hop. Craig, come on, Pastor Craig, come on. Look at the soil. Look at the seeds. Look at the four seasons. The Bible says for everything there is a season, not a second. does not say for everything there's a second. It says for everything there is a season. It's a season. Life comes in waves. You get around some of the old timers, they'll say, life comes in seasons. Life comes in tides. But the problem is, where we go wayward is, the complexity is, is that we see life oftentimes in seconds. And when you see life in seconds, and yet you are designed by a God that designed life in seasons, you are prone to make some really dumb decisions in your life. Because see, all you can see is the second. Now, at this time, if you're a thinking person, you like philosophy, and you're sitting here today, you're like, yeah, Pete Craig, but I got you. Let's have a meeting. What about living in the now? What about living in the present? That is true. That is true. Jesus said, listen, the Bible does say tomorrow take care of itself. Today has enough troubles. Just focus on today. But you need to hear me. Hear me clearly. The Bible always assumes that your ability to enjoy the second is because you understand that your second is connected to God and his sovereignty and his seasons and his grand plan. Your second fits into a larger season. See, the reason I can enjoy my second is because I know it's connected to a bigger story and God is sovereign over that story and in that story, every season has a purpose. But see, when I get tunnel vision and I start living life by the second, things go wrong. Now, now let let, let me ask you a question. Who lives life By the seconds, usually. Oh, yeah. People who are suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I've, I've lived in seasons where the seconds were so hard that I was trying to make it to a compilation of many minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A- adversity causes people to live by, by seconds. See, one of the reasons we live by seconds is because we're so overwhelmed. We are so overwhelmed, we're so frustrated, we're so perplexed, we're so stretched, life is so full. I, I can't see Pastor Craig past this next second to make sense of this season. So Jesus sees seasons, but all Peter can see is seconds. Peter's going to learn though. Peter's going to realize. You know what's so beautiful, y'all, about understanding seasons? When you begin to understand seasons, you can start, hear me. You, you can start, your words have power, and you can start speaking right even in the midst of seconds that baffle you. When you understand seasons and seasons dawn on you, then the words out of your mouth can already begin to be right even when you're in the midst of seconds that don't feel right. See, see, that's the secret of the Christian life. If I can understand my seconds are connected to a bigger season and my God controls winter and my God controls fall and my God controls summer and my God controls winter, then that's my God. He works in a rhythm. He lives and operates in a sustainable season, then in the moment I am feeling overwhelmed this second, I can declare, hey, hey, this is just a season. This is just a season. It's just a season. And people think, well, well, you're in denial. No, I'm not in denial. I know that God controls the tide of every ocean. And as sure as the tide is high and as sure as the tide is low, seasons come and seasons go. And you think I'm losing my mind right now, but I'm telling you right now, I'm fighting something in my body. I've been suffering in my body for day after day, month after month. I'm fighting something in my mind that maybe you don't know all the details of what I'm fighting in my mind. I'm fighting something relationally. Or Pastor Craig, I've lost all my money, but I'm here to say it's just a season. It's just a season. Don't go tripping. It's just a season. When's the last time you heard somebody say tripping? Like 2002? What is that? It's early 2000s. It's just a season. It's, it, it, it's just a season. But how many of you know that there are other seasons where your statement is, This is my season. See, sometimes it's like, Woo, babe, mare, mare. Woo! We're going to make it, babe. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Us and three kids, we're we going to make it. It's, it's just a season. It's just a season. It's just, it, it's, it, we, it's just a... And then there are times where we're like, this is my season. This is our season. You know what I found, church? You know what I found? Is that sometimes both of them happen at the exact same time. I'm going somewhere today. They happen at the exact same time. Have you been through this? I literally just spent four years of my life, our four years of our life, in exactly this. I personally, we personally went through a, it's just a season. It's just a season. It's just a season. It's just a season. But with you as a community, and you as your church leader, and you as a pastor, I went through, and we're going through right now, This is our season. In the time when we purchased this land, and I have spent 30-something years of my life looking forward to that day, I felt zero emotion 
Zero excitement for what was happening because of what was going on in my personal season. Isn't it crazy? How many times in your spiritual journey with God, you'll go through the dichotomy of both of them at the exact same time. It will be like professionally, this is my season. But relationally, this is just a, a season. But then what happens is you can get confused and you get them confused and then you're all confused and then you got friends who come in your life at work and they think you're doing, they're, they're doing you a service by being negative and talking bad about all the other people around your life and talking mean, mean about people like that's going to actually produce anything good in your life. And they're in there talking to you as if that's going to cause you to make any good you know, healthy steps towards your intended goal. Would it be honest? Would it be honest? I just think that person, and I think that man, and, 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 and stop. That, that, that's, not, that's not helping me. This is just a, just a season. Can you and I learn to live sometimes in one season that has a little bit of both? I have found oftentimes, church, oftentimes when it is your season, there is resistance personally that requires you to experience faith and requires you to be stretched to the bone and say, this is just a season. This is just a season. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. Don't ask me how I'm doing right now. Don't ask me how I'm doing. I can't go into it again. I can't, I can't talk about it right now. I'm just good. I'm good. It's just a I, Just give me a minute. Just, just give me a minute. Just, this is, this is just, it's just a season. Have you ever driven somewhere in your car and you had to stay in the car until the song got done? You know what I'm talking about kind of seasons? you got to stay in the car when you pull up because the song's still going and you're in the parking lot and you turn up the volume and you're, and you're trying to psych yourself up for whatever it is you're doing that day. People are walking by like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I didn't ask. Well, I am. It's just a season. It's just a season. It'll pass. It's just a season. I know right now these seconds don't make sense. But y'all listen to me if I've learned anything about God. When you try to zero in on the seconds, they will never make sense. I have seconds in my life. Can I make a confession to you? I have a whole collection of them that right now I steal in my... I'm like, Lord, what about these seconds? Lord, Jesus, what about these seconds? And you know what? I get nothing. I get no response. But if you take these seconds and you put them back in their season and you put them back in their perspective, the older I get and the more I follow Jesus, I look back and go, I'm starting to get... I'm... I'm starting to get the, the hint. I think maybe he's faithful. I think maybe he's true. Okay. Oh, so you were. Oh, wow. I did not see that back in 2009. Oh, oh man, in those second. Man, I got you. Oh, you, you good. You good. You good. You crazy, but you good. Hear me, hear me. I am convinced that the parts of life we wish we could skip are the places where we most need to be shaped. 
I, like you, have demanded God to explain my suffering. I've demanded him to explain himself. And you know what he did for me? He went one step further and he entered our pain. And in a tomb outside of Jerusalem, he initiated healing and the reversal of all that had gone wrong. Hear me. I demanded a diagram, but he gave me an Easter song. (laughs) In suffering, I demand a worksheet. And he gives me a praise. I look back at prayers, y'all. I prayed in seasons of my life. And I cannot be more thankful that God gave me a no. I look back at prayers and I think, you know what? I felt bad at the time and it felt like that, that I was being deprived. And it felt like God wasn't giving me that sign that he loved me. Anybody ever been there in life? And it felt like God wasn't doing what I asked. And God wasn't giving me what I desired and what I thought I needed. Which is really just what I wanted that second. But now in life, I look back on some of the prayers I prayed and I have never been more thankful that God answered those prayers with a no. See, you think you you want that, but you don't actually want that, Craig. You think you desire that right now, but I'm telling you, you don't desire that right now. And you certainly don't need it. Y'all, you know it's crazy. It's crazy. When you you talk to your kids when they're very young, you know, I get my three kids together. Okay, K-Man. All right, Marlon Moo. All right, HG. Come here, come here, come here. Hey, we're going to go to the beach next month. And when they're little, Harper G's still little, she said, to, she said, Daddy, is that today? Daddy, is that today? Is that today, Daddy? And you say, I said a month. What do you not understand about a month? M-O-N-T-H, month. You know, you're dad. You got to do that. But, but that brain is trying to figure out that timeline. That little, that little human brain. That little human brain is, is like, is that today, Daddy? Hey, 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 K-Man. Hey, Marley Moo. HG, come here. Come here. Let me tell you something. Next summer, we're going to go to the beach. Uh, uh, Daddy, is that today? What part of next summer we're going to go to the beach do you not understand? I love that about God, you know. God's like, I'm going to do something great in your life. Uh, that, that day, God... What part of I'm going to do something good with your life do you not understand? Okay, I'm sorry, God. My bad, my bad, my bad. Okay. No, 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 no. He says, if you think your earthly father is good, but he's actually evil, how much more does your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask? Are you hearing me? When he says, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to untangle you, we naturally go to God because our human brains start trying to figure it out. Is that today, God? Is that today, God? Is it this second? And he's like, well... Well, that's not really how next month works, Craig. But I think you're so cute for asking. I know you want the suffering to be gone in your timeline of seconds, but I work in seasons. God works in seasons. I think what's happening with me personally is happening to a lot of people in this congregation right now, which is why I believe God led me to this word today. You're in that dichotomy. Personally, there has been so much difficulty for Meredith and I personally, even compounded with the death of her dad. 
Mayor will tell you. Mayor will speak to you. And we've been saying to each other, it's just a season. It's just a season. And oftentimes, there is no progress without resistance. There's going to be, there's going to be resistance in the season. But simultaneously, I am trying to tell you as a part of this church, dwelling place, you hear me and hear me well. This is our season. This is our season. God is setting things in motion. He's given us the opportunity to tell the story of God to more people. He is setting things in motion. We've run out of kids' rooms. I don't know. It's no secret to you. We've run out of kids' space. We've got no more kids' space out in that lobby in this facility. We've run out of baby room. We've had multiple babies. We had another baby on, what, Friday? we got two more babies tomorrow evening. God has opened up the door for us to go 30 seconds down the road on Springfield Drive. We bought 5.3 acres debt-free. We bought it with cash. We've owned it now for a year and a half. He's now given us the opportunity to build a new facility. In that new facility, the sanctuary is going to seat almost 300 people with two gatherings at 600 people. We've got five to six multi-use classrooms on the downstairs. We've got more space to finish out on the upstairs. We've got offices. We've got a capacity, an open door with open glass floor to ceiling, essentially windows for people to come down Springfield Drive, literally look through the glass and see somebody preaching, see somebody leading worship because it's a downtown district. It's only 10 or 15 feet off of the road. We've got a patio for people to connect as we have the opportunity in that little space right there as they build a park in the future to be a pass-through for people inside of Woodstock. We have a beautiful city. We have a beautiful opportunity. God has opened a door. We've prayed about it a lot with our team. We've prayed about it a lot with our pastors, but it is a step of faith, and it's going to take us hundreds of thousands of dollars. In fact, it's going to take us $2 million for the entire project to what? Erect that building to get phase one done for us to move into that building, 5.34 acres. And I am saying to you right now, and I want you to hear me by the unction of the Holy Spirit of God, This is our season. This is our season. This is our season. This is where God has called us for this season. I don't really care about buildings, y'all, only to the degree that people use them to meet with God. And if God can use that building to meet with people and save families and deliver lives and disciple people for generations to come, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get into a new building. But this is our time. God has given us the opportunity to tell the story to more people in Cherokee County. He's given us the opportunity to tell the glorious story of God. And we're going to get to eternity one day, and we'll realize that's all that ultimately matters. In two weeks, we're going to share all the details you'll see on the screen behind me. But I want to encourage you. I'm I'm being honest with you right now. I'm asking you to pray about what you're going to give over this next year. We're going to give you all the details about what God's going to do and how it's going to happen and what's going to flow and the reality of what's taking place right now. But I want to tell you, I want you to pray and say, God, how can, I, how can I position myself and how can I give generously? Now listen, I promise you I would never ask for what Mary and I are not already personally doing. That you and, and me and we together consider praying about giving and what is it that God has. Do you know why we are givers, by the way, church? Because God is a giver. Do you know why we're, we're so generous? Because God is so generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giver. And I want you to hear me, church. Somebody say, what happened to the good sermon? It's still a good sermon. Just hang with me for a moment, okay? I want, I want to remind you, giving is not just about pulling resources to build buildings so that more people can have uh, encounters with Jesus. But generosity, according to Jesus, is a way of life. Generosity is a way of being in the world. Generosity is a way of speaking. Generosity is a way of serving. Something is happening in our church right now. Something is happening in the prof- 
prophetic moment that we live right now. And I'm telling you, if you'll lean in and we'll trust one another and we'll trust God, we can do some things that will make a difference in people's lives for generations to come. See, y'all, two of the holiest things that I steward as a pastor, besides the scripture and sacraments, the holiest things I, I steward, number one is the trust of the people of God. Do you know what kind of weight it is to have the responsibility that God's people trust me to hear from him and lead? You know, you know what kind of trembling that is? And the second thing that I steward is the callings and the grace of Christ on people's lives. Those are two things that I tremble at both daily. And I'm telling you, as sure as the sun rose this morning, this is our season. This is our season. Our season. Peter, I'm, I'm so grateful for him because someday I'm going to get to heaven and I'm going to say, thanks, man. Broken. Can we have coffee real quick, man? I know sometimes you had some really bad scenes recorded in the scripture. But can I just tell you, Peter, you made me feel really good on my low days. Like, Peter, man, I identify with you, bro. In fact, you make me feel pretty good on my high days, too. Peter has his moments. This moment we read about today, Peter's essentially rebuked, isn't he? He goes quiet. He's, he's a bit sheepish. Oh, I'll lay down my life for you. Really? You'll lay down your life for me? No, you won't. You're going to deny me. Now, watch this, church. There's a second place where Jesus and Peter say the same word again. It's not the same word. That only happens two times in Scripture, both of them with Peter. You know when the text is? John 21. Peter's going back to his old life, his old daddy's business, his old fishing business. He's out fishing. He's perplexed. The disciples are discouraged. They're distraught. They're confused. They're perplexed. They're troubled. The Messiah, Jesus, has died. He's in a borrowed tomb. He's gone. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. And the Bible records that Jesus went out of his way to appear to Peter and some of the guys. Jesus is on the shore of Galilee. The disciples are out on the boat, and they don't know it is him. They don't know it is Jesus. And the Bible says they fished all night. And he says, Jesus gets up his voice, and he uses the acoustics of the land. He says, hey, they don't know it's him. You guys called anything? They say, no. He said, cast the net on the other side. You know what they do? They catch 153 fish. That's what the Bible says. And when they catch 153 fish, they say, woo, deja vu. I've seen this before. I've smelt this before. This happened three and a half years. Oh, my word. That's Jesus. And Peter puts on his, his cloak, jumps into the water, and swims to the shore. You go back and read the text. I've never seen it before. I've studied John chapter 21. I mean, I've taken a class, seminary class. No one says anything when Peter gets to the shore, completely quiet. And Peter and the boys got their hands on their knees, and the water's dripping off their noses, and they're just looking at him. And they're trying to see if it's his scars in his hands. And, and, and the Bible says they knew it was him. And Jesus breaks the silence and he says, hey, hey guys, you catch any fish? Come on over, I'll, I'll, I'll cook them for you. What kind of setup is that? The resurrected Jesus is cooking you breakfast. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? P Peter's not the same Peter as he was in John 13, is he? Different Peter, isn't it? He, he's a bit timid now. He's a bit sheepish now he says yes yes lord i love you it's not the peter i'm gonna die for you tonight jesus 
Not that Peter anymore. It's the Peter who's been beat up a little bit by life. Come to a little bit of self, I, I, I love you, Lord. And now he's wet and he's sheepish. Jesus looks at him again the second time. Hey, Peter, um, Peter, do you love me? Uh, yeah, yes, Lord. I, yeah, I love you. Peter, third time. What, what, Lord? The Bible says he's grieved in his heart. Do you love me? Of course, Lord, I love you. Every single time Jesus says love, it is agape. Agape, which is by definition unconditional. It is love that is towards you, that needs no reciprocation. It is love that is divine. It is love that comes and is consistent in every single season. Every time Peter says love, it is phileo. Phileo is brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It is marriage love. It is mutual commitment love. Why do people get married? They don't get married because of agape. They get married because of phileo. I love you, you love me. Oh, cool, cool, it's a deal. No one gets married and says, oh, I can't stand you. I do. No, 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 you don't do that. Phileo is what? It's brotherly love. Every time Peter says to Jesus, I conditionally love you, Jesus says, do you unconditionally love me? John likes using this approach, doesn't he? He's telling us in John 13, they're not on the same page. It's not the same now. And now in John 21, He's telling us that they don't understand the same kind of love. Woo! Church, isn't that crazy? God's understanding of now and love is so different from our understanding of now and love. Can you imagine with me for a moment if we lived our lives where we thought about now and seasons and love unconditionally, but as humans, we do the exact opposite. We think about love conditionally and now immediately. <laughs> we do the opposite of what we see in the scripture. Wait, you hurt me? Wow. Wow. I feel so broken. I feel so hurt. Y'all, Jesus came to show us a completely different way of living. And he uses Peter to prove it. And then, y'all, Jesus says the meanest thing. Meanest thing. Look at verse 18. He said, truly, truly. Oh, wait. Wait. He said, truly, truly, in John 13, after they had different meanings for the same word. Oh, in John 21, he said, truly, truly, after they say the same word that had different meanings. Somebody being a Bible student here? You waking up to what Jesus is showing? What John's communicating? They're connected. John 13, John 21 connected. Look at verse 18. And he says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Peter's like, "Woo! this is a great ending to our breakfast. Yeah, I like it. No, no. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. Wait a second. Wait a second. What did Peter say to Jesus in John 13 again? I will die for you. Jesus replies at that moment, will you? Yeah, 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 I will. Yeah, yeah, I will tonight. I'll do it. 
In John 13, watch this, Peter wants to die for Jesus, but he can't. He's not capable. He's weak. He's not able to do it. In John chapter 21, Peter wants to follow Jesus. He's just not sure if he can do it now because he's now, he's now you know, at a different place in life. Yet by the grace of God, he's actually going to finish the way he wanted to finish. I believe this. 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 I believe this church. This is the word of the Lord for you, for me today and this morning. When you, when you take John 13 and you take John 21 and you put them side by side, Jesus is telling a message to Peter and he's telling a message for all of us. Peter, you will finish well because in every season my love will sustain you. If I can encourage you with any message right now in the midst of our Western world, whether you are Peter in John 13 or you are Peter in John 21, whether you think you're capable and God's telling you you're not right now and it's a little bit sheepish in your response and you think you're ready and God says you're not right now or you're in John 21 and you've been through enough pain and you've been through enough loss and you've been through enough challenge and enough pain and grief to realize you start to wonder, I don't even know, Pastor Craig, if I can do this anymore. Either way, either way, the message is clear and remains the same. Peter, you can't die for me but you can because I will sustain you. In John 13, Peter thought he had the goods. In John 13, Peter thought he had the strength, but he was prone to seconds kind of existing. But God says to him, Jesus says to him, I'm going to take you through some stuff, young man. You follow me, young man. You're going to go through some hard stuff, young man, but I'm going to meet you on that beach one morning. And when I meet you on that beach one morning, I'm going to sustain you and show you that I will sustain you through every season with my love. My passion, church, my passion for this church, my passion for our reality is that we are still going to be around. Hey, Woodstock, give us a decade. We're still going to be around. Hey, Woodstock, give us two decades. We're going to still, I'm just going to speak it prophetically right now. Hey, Woodstock, you give us three decades. We're still going to be around. Why? Because his love is going to sustain us. I thought I'd just preach to myself this morning. Maybe, maybe some of you, I, I'm preaching myself happy right now. I'm preaching myself encouraged right now. I don't care if you're John 13 or John 21. The message for you is the same. You will be sustained because of the love of Jesus for you. For you. No matter what happens. No matter what tide comes in, what tide goes out. My love will sustain you. I want to be a better man, y'all. I want to love my family more faithfully. I want to stick around. I just want to last. The more I see friends, more I see pastors dropping out of this race one after the other, character fall after character default. I just in a place in my life where I'm like, you know what? All that other stuff is too overrated. It's too overrated. I just want to last. I want to love this woman. I want to keep honoring her. I want to raise three kids in the fear and admonition of Jesus. And I want to keep loving you. And I want to keep loving any sheep that God brings to this sheepfold. And we're going to go little by little. And we're going to go little by little. And we're going to go little by little. And we're going to stay season after season. Whether high or whether low. Whether on top or whether in the bottom. God's love is going to sustain us. And I feel like telling people in this room this morning. For those struggling. And you're living by seconds. And you can't see past the next second. I'm going to tell you here. The tide's up. The tide will go back out. And his mercies are new every morning. It's just a season. Church, what I've learned. In order to make it through seconds you got to pray what Jesus taught us to pray you got to pray Jesus taught what we call the Lord's Prayer whoever's on keys you can come 
the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what the psalmist said in Psalm 97 verse 1? Look at the text. It says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Let the Lord reign, so let the earth be glad. Hear me, church. When God's kingdom breaks in, things start to spring to life. When the kingdom of God starts to break into your seconds, things that are dormant start to what? They, they start to come to life. So the earth is glad and the distant shores will rejoice. Hear me, when God's kingdom breaks in, joy breaks out. When God's kingdom breaks out in our experience, joy begins to break out in our own lives. Listen, when we live in Woodstock, Georgia, Cherokee County with God's mercy, and we live as embodiment of God's mercy and compassion, people will begin to sing and dance in our city. When we live as people who bring that future kingdom into this reality now, then what happens is children begin to rise up and call their parents blessed. When we invite God's reign on the earth and we see the earth's renewal, because that's what Jesus is doing, he's renewing the whole earth, and we invite the kingdom of God to break into our experience and we pray on our lips, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to tell you something. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, I want you from now on, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, I I want you to imagine yourself praying the Lord's Prayer with a rope in your hand. This is what I want you to imagine. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor Craig? This is a chronology. Now, I want you just for a moment, I want you to imagine this is the grand sweep of human history. Over here at the beginning is God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was creation. And then there was God calling a man named Abram to himself. To establish a people of whom he would dwell with. And then we get the monarchy. And then right here in human history, right in the center, here comes the Son of God. <laughs> and he says, hello, my story can't be stopped. And he dies on a borrowed cross, a middle cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb of Joseph of Marathia. On the third day, he rises again and he lives for 40 more days on the earth and he ascends to the Father. And from there, he's ever making intercession for us. Now, watch this. Watch this. We know what's out here. At the end of history, when Jesus finally comes, the will of God will come on earth as it is in heaven. There will be no more disease. There will be no more sickness. The will of God will be realized. You know what Revelation 21, 1 through 5 says over here? Go and memorize it. It says, in that day, there will be no more tears. Come on, somebody. In that day, there will be no more mourning. In that day, there will be no more hospitals. Won't be a need for them. In that day, there will be no more funeral homes. Won't be a need for funeral homes. In that day, there will be no more sickness, no more tears, no more mourning. But here we are, here we are in history with our own little kingdoms around us in Woodstock, Georgia. And when you have thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you have that on your lips, I want you to imagine in that moment, you are pulling God's glorious future into the inglorious present. You are pulling the future of God into your present reality. 
When you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You are praying God's glorious future into the inglorious present. When I have a woman tell me this week that she's at the rock bottom place of life and she's never been to a church that welcomed her like the way she has been welcomed here. And that for the first time in her life, because she's never even known how to pray. She's never even known how to engage. She's never even known church life. The people of God and their love for her and compassion for her is causing her, in her words, to receive everything she needs in that season. You know what we're doing? We're saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In Woodstock as it is in heaven, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in Woodstock and Kennesaw as it is in heaven. We are praying God's glorious future into our inglorious present. This next Saturday, we're going to have women, single moms, who don't have time to take care of themselves, who've been beat up by life and drained of life and energy and love. And they're going to come in here. And we're going to have women in here who are going to paint their nails. And they're going to cut their hair. And they're going to look in the mirror. And they're going to say, you're dignified. And they're going to let them shop and get clothes. And we're praying, Lord, let your glorious future come into our inglorious present. And we're going to allow the dignity and the love of Jesus Christ. Can we change everything? No, we can't. But can we change Woodstock, Georgia? You bet we can. Why, in the midst of a global pandemic, did you write cards? And I go around to all local nursing homes. And I walk into nursing homes and hand them cards. Why? Because we're saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and in a time of a pandemic when people are desperately lonely and they don't know their left from the right and they have no human touch a 92 year old grandma is opening up a card written by a little DP student a DP kid and joy is springing up in their heart and we're pulling we're pulling the glorious future into our inglorious present why do we do what we do why do you give money why do you sacrifice to say we're going to build a building to allow more people to meet Jesus because you are saying Lord I want to pull the glorious future future of that kingdom into this inglorious presence this week I was in class at Arrows Academy and I teach a fourth grade class and we have a young girl in our class who, who's, who's had a, a trouble troubled year, a challenging year and grades sometimes behavior, I love her I have a nickname for her, I won't use it And I was in class, and it's my last day with them. We have one more day this week, but I'm not with them. And I looked over at her. She was on my left. And she had told the class, hey, I'm not going to be at Arrows again next year. I'm going to a new school. And I told our students, I want the memory she has of Arrows Academy to be one where the life and the love of Jesus has come through her peers and classmates. And as clear as day, I look over at her. And I feel the Lord say to me, you stop class right now. And you have every kid in this class. You speak life to that young lady. Pull that glorious future into her glorious present. And I said, okay, who first wants to give words? Who wants to give words first? I'm going to show you a quick video. Managed to hop out, grab my phone real quick. And when these words began to be shared... Ian? I'm watching she all always, the bad behavior. Um, she always joyful and always was um, joyful in class. Good. 
Dean? This is Dean. She's nice. She's all the, um, she, um, she participates in assembly. She's really up and heavy. She's really modern and nice. You can stop right there. Jonah, you next? She's kind you can and stop right she there. joins in all of her games. And, and the first two kids in that classroom that took the opportunity to pull a glorious future into her inglorious present were Alexa and Dean, both kids of this ministry. I couldn't handle it. God's called us to mold the foundation of many generations. And in the fruit of this ministry, kids are pulling God's glorious future into our inglorious present. how it started for Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was a Catholic nun from Europe who found herself in Calcutta, India in the slums. She was living in a convent and the convent rules you cannot go outside the convent. There's too much disease. Lost people out there. Dirty people. And like Daniel, she would go up into her room every day. <laughs> and she'd pray three times a day. This is what Mother Teresa did. And as a young lady, she'd get down on her knees and she'd have a window in front of her and she would look out. And one day, just like every other day, it's a normal day, she got down on her knees. She said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To get her beyond the seconds thinking into the season thinking. To get her beyond conditional love to unconditional love. She at that time looks out the window and there's a broken man right outside the convent walls. He looks like he's suffering. And she said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. She says, this is the only earth I have right now in front of me. And she got up and she walked over to her Catholic leader and she said I'm going outside the walls I said you can't go outside the walls as a nun in this convent you can't go outside the walls she said I'm going outside the walls they had been living inside the walls of the church and she opened that convent door and she walked out over to that frame and it was frail and it had gangrene and the poor man had pus coming out of his body he was bleeding and he was emaciated and she saw his ribs because he had no food in his body and she picked up that little frame and she walked him right back inside the convent and she laid him down and she said thy kingdom come thy will be done well what do I have what do I have in my place in earth and she gave him a little piece of bread and a cup of water and what was she doing she was praying and bringing a glorious future into her inglorious present that's what we were made for, church. You were made this week to pull God's glorious future into your inglorious present. For those struggling today, it's just a season. It's just a season. It'll pass. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's just a season. It's just a season those that it is.
is my season. Don't you get caught up and think that His love only sustains you when it's just a season. No, it also sustains you when it's my season. I ain't gonna get. I ain't, hey, it's going good right now, Pastor Craig. But I ain't gonna get. Caught, I ain't gonna get caught up in the. It's just, it's, it's just love. It's sustaining me, and it's my season, or it's just a season. The love of God remains the same. He will sustain you in every season. God, help us today to go from seconds living to seasons living, to go from conditional love. Unconditional love. The same word, it's not the same word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I thank you. I thank you that in this inglorious present, you've given us the capacity and the freedom and the responsibility to pray and to bring God's glorious future into our inglorious present. Leave this place today, we would be witnesses that would smell like a future where there's no more mourning and no more tears and no more hospitals and no more death and no more fear and no more chaos and no more dysfunction. For the King Himself, Jesus, will be our light. For young men and young women in this room that are struggling in their seconds right now, I pray by the Holy Spirit of Almighty God minister to their soul, their heart, their psyche, even their parents, that it's just a season. It's just a season. And God, in the midst of their seconds kind of existence, they would see beyond the seconds and realize in your greater plan, you can use all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, I pray right now for leaders that are in this room that may feel in this moment that they're in the dichotomy of personally It's just a season, but yet professionally, it's my season. Church-wise, it's our season, but personally feel like it's just a season. They're out of breath, they're weary, they're worn down. God, you would today, by your Holy Spirit, breathe on them fresh life. You would breathe hope in hopeless situations. You would breathe, oh God, faith in faithlessness. And they would leave this room today knowing God, Your love will sustain them in every season. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.